0: Well, hey, welcome to another episode of Brax Tax. We are still in our series, "The King and His Kingdom," at Northridge Fellowship—not just for big church, but also for youth and kids. And we were in Matthew chapter five this last week for our whole church and for middle school and high school. So I just wanted to point out some really cool things that I thought were uh, interesting from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in this first chapter, this first section. Um, First he uh starting in verse 1 seeing the crowds he being Jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying so Jesus is on the mountain looking at the people of God and he is about to give his word God's word to the people and if we look at Exodus Uh, particularly chapter 20 and the context around that I think it's pretty safe to say that Jesus is the true and better Moses he is doing what Moses did, but he's doing it better Moses gave the law of God from the mountain now Jesus is giving God's Word from the mountain and What are those words? From God and then gives those commandments to the people. Now, Jesus is on the mountain and he is giving nine blessings to the people. So, where's the tenth blessing? You would probably ask that question. If he's the true and better Moses, he's going to give us ten words from God. Where's that tenth blessing? And I wonder what Jesus is doing here. Maybe he's saying, Um, wait for that next blessing because I'm going to tell you and what I'm about to say in the rest of my sermon is going to describe the tenth blessing Um, so it might be just a a, you know Jesus is trying to draw on his audience here Um, that's an aspect to it or maybe it's well Jesus is able to do in nine blessings what Moses could never do with ten I'm not sure um, but importantly as well, there are eight B attitudes, is what they're called It's not really a helpful word anymore because we don't really say hey B attitudes." like that's not used in regular conversations. So what does that mean? Um, as far as my understanding is these are character traits um, or personalities or persons Um that are blessed in the kingdom. If you notice, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's how it starts. How it ends is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So these beatitudes really it's just describing who does the kingdom of heaven belong to? And the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. They're Poor in spirit, they mourn, they're meek. Again, maybe not a very helpful word, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or for justice, uh, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, it's and the persecuted, these are those who the kingdom, they are, they're citizens of the kingdom. Um, they're ready for the kingdom. So just some cool stuff with the Beatitudes here. I think Jesus opens up his sermon by really appealing to the, the audience that's listening. Um, so he starts with, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And anybody standing there listening to Jesus would probably be able to identify this. Now, a lot of the times we talk about poor in spirit as uh, it's this trait of being dependent on God. Um, it's a recognition that you are spiritually poor, Um, destitute, you have no spiritual money, no spiritual capital, no spiritual uh, social standing before God, and you desperately need the one who has all spiritual riches to provide for you. Uh, That's typically how we talk about poor in spirit. But I want to point out that um, in Luke's gospel, in chapter 6, Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, blessed are the poor. And then you know, lest we try to spiritualize that and say, oh, uh, Jesus is, is also saying, um, poor in spirit. In that instance, uh, he's just, he's not making that explicit. Well, the problem with that is that Jesus, he says, you know, blessed are the poor. And he goes through a quick list that sounds very similar to this. Blessed are those who mourn, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. It doesn't mention the righteousness part, but then afterwards he says, uh, and woe to you who are rich. Um, woe to you who laugh now. Woe to you who are full now. Um, so, you know, like like I said, you can't avoid that. Um, you can't avoid that Jesus is actually saying in Luke, blessed are the poor and woe to those who are rich. So what do we, what do we make of that? Well, I think what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, when he says "in spirit," I think that's the key to understanding what what he means. Because in um, in the New Testament, the other times that "in spirit," those two words uh, are put together, are when Paul is writing some letters to um, the New Testament churches, and I think it's Second Corinthians. You can you can look those up, but um, he says to the Corinthians. Um, the situation is that um, someone sinned and um, the Corinthians are trying to figure out what to do with this, this person who's sinned really horribly. And Paul says that, hey, though I am absent in body, I am present with you in spirit. And being present with you in spirit, I've already cast judgment on this person and, you know, I already know what to do kind of thing. So, Paul's not physically present, but he is spiritually present, and I think that can mean one of two things, or maybe both. But it, I think, it means um, he's not present, but it's like he's present. He's not present, but he's virtually present. He's he is in a way present because he knows their situation, um, and it's like he's present. So I think what Jesus is saying here is, "Blessed are those." who are virtually poor. Okay, what does that mean? I think what it means, it's those who renounce all physical possession. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have things. I have a car, I have a laptop, I have a phone, I have clothes, right? But what I think we ought to do is we ought to say, in reality it's I don't really own these things my phone that's not really my phone my car that's not really my car my laptop it's not really my laptop my money it's not really my money I'm, I'm I physically have these things but it's as though I don't so that way we can if we look at it that way I think We can can make sense out of how Jesus says, blessed are the poor, because they really don't have anything, and blessed are those who are poor in spirit, because it's the point is, nothing is mine. And when nothing is yours, there is something that does belong to you, and it's the kingdom of heaven. And think about just how surprising that is. Wow, the poor would be kings and queens. That they would own the kingdom of heaven. That's crazy. And then he says, blessed are those who mourn. Okay. And then it's surprising. Because they shall be comforted. Things aren't good right now. But you will be comforted. And I loved what Pastor Ben said this weekend. By who? Who will comfort you? God. Blessed are the meek. I I take that word, I I think that means... um, Humble, um, lowly, you know, you're, you're not at the top of social standing. You're at the bottom. Um, you're not the popular person. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to have social standing. It's wrong to um, be popular. But, again, it's a renunciation of those things. You're, you're lowly. And the lowly, the marginalized, the the on-the-outskirts, in-the-corner kind of people, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I think Jesus has a view towards blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. He's talking to to his fellow Jews currently under the oppressive Roman Empire. That's not fair, that they would be oppressed by Rome. That's not justice, that they would be treated the way that they are. And Jesus is saying, blessed are you who are hungering and thirsting for justice because you will be satisfied. So if you feel like the government is doing things that is unjust, doing things that are unjust, blessed are you if you hunger and thirst for justice to be done because you will be satisfied. And again that question, by who? If you try to take it for yourself and try to make justice happen for yourself, I think you're short-circuiting maybe the work that God is doing. That is not to say, however, that we should not act on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves and can't seek justice for themselves. Whether it's because of disability, because of their development, if they're in the womb, because of systems that have been put in place from hundreds of years ago um, that make it difficult to be the race that they are in our country, we should hunger and thirst for justice for them and seek to bring it. And then Jesus switches. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Just see how, I love this, how balanced this is. Blessed are the merciful, because they will receive mercy. And, And again, blessed are those who are merciful, those who are acting on behalf of others. The marginalized, the oppressed. The down and out, the sick. Really, I mean, later on in Matthew, Jesus will talk about um, the people that were merciful towards in the parable of the sheep and the goats. He says, whatever you did to the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. That's being merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. And what does it mean to be pure in heart? To be, I think, to be single-minded, focused. Your eye is on one thing. Your eye is on getting to see God. And it's and you're blessed if you're pure in heart because you will see God. right? I think that's what it means. Your eye is focused on seeing God someday. And so then you avoid sin. You say no to sin because you know that it's good to see God and it'll make you most ultimately happy. And in that moment, that first microsecond of seeing God's face, will give you more joy than a hundred years of pleasure on earth. Blessed are the pure in heart. Your eye is single, looking at the goal of seeing God. So you say no to sin, and you even say no to some good things sometimes because you want to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they shall be called sons of God. Why, why would they be called Sons of God? Because the Son of God made peace by the blood shed on the cross between God and man. And and that blood shed on the cross is meant to then also not just bring reconciliation and peace between God and man, but, but mankind itself needs to be at peace with each other because of the blood shed on the cross. And you can look at Ephesians 2 if you want more info on that. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay. We're not going to be able to get into all of Matthew 5. There's so much here. I mean, there's so much just... I mean, you could have eight, nine weeks just talking about these Beatitudes. But a a question I want to ask is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So often, I think, when we um, look at that, we just think, oh, Jesus means blessed are those who are persecuted for Jesus' sake. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Okay, so that's... Jesus does mean when we're persecuted, it's it's because of our connection with Jesus. But how are we persecuted with our connection with Jesus? Okay, so what I mean here is very often we think, oh, I'm just going to be persecuted for loving Jesus. Let me, let me just tell you, um, you can say that you love Jesus and no one will care. Doesn't matter to them. Okay? They don't. They don't mind that you love Jesus. What they mind is when you pursue righteousness, you pursue justice. Micah six eight right. I've told you, oh man. What does the Lord require of you to seek justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. It's not that people will persecute you because you say, I love Jesus, or you say, because I'm a Christian. They're going to persecute you because of what that means in your daily life and how you view the world and how others should act because of Jesus' kingdom coming in. So let's, let's look at just verse six again. What we talked about there was, you're hungering and thirsting for justice to be done. That we would be just and fair for humans in, who are made in the image of God. That we would be just and fair for babies in the womb. That will get you persecuted for righteousness sake. Because people don't want to hold to the doctrine of the image of God when it's inconvenient. when it's inconvenient that they're pregnant. People don't want to hold to the doctrine of the of human dignity because of the image of God when they're going to get an abortion at Planned Parenthood. They don't want to hold to justice and righteousness for all because of the coming kingdom And what that means when you say that my African American brothers need to be treated according to their dignity as image bearers of God. People don't want that. And and I'm purposely saying both of these things because we have people on the right politically that are saying. That we need to care about the unborn, and 100%, we do. We need to have righteousness and justice for them, protecting their lives, and we need to make sure that we are not just saying no to abortion, but that we're caring for mothers so that they can say yes to their baby. Okay, we need that, and and people on the right have that right, that correct. But very often we then don't see that there are people who have a different skin color than us and that there's been history in America of racism and slavery. And we we say, yes, pro-life, but we're very hesitant when it comes to um, human dignity of other races and ethnicities. And I'm making generalizations here. It's it's not true of everybody that that are Republican or vote Republican It's not true of everybody, but I am saying that that when we seek righteousness and justice for all human beings because God has created them in his image and Jesus kingdom is coming if that's how you behave in your world, not just say that you think those things, but you actively seek to bring about God's righteousness and justice and human flourishing because of the coming kingdom of God, you will be persecuted for righteousness. And I think it's worth it. So, until next time, this is going to be our tagline, go and tell them come and see. And we'll talk about what that means at a different time, but we'll see you later.